about to start so pop those headphones in and let Sophia style radio to keep you company. Welcome to Monday Morning. This is the Natural Solutions Show. I am Rachel CK of Essentially Rachel UK, bringing you natural solutions and upgrading your joy one step or one drop at a time. to get in touch with me regarding any of the topics that we have covered on the show please feel free I would love to hear from you if you would like any more information if you would like to ask a question if you'd like me to read your question out on the show and answer that for you please get in touch you can find me at www.essentiallyracheluk.com Original female artists only on Sophia Style Radio. such thing as fate because we're the ones who have to make all the mistakes and I'm so sick and tired of living this way so it's time to start a new 
Good morning and welcome to Monday. Well, this is the beginning of a new week for which for me and my family is the start of a new era without one of our nearest and dearest. And big emotions has been the topic of the last couple of weeks personally, but also this past week has been the topic of the programme that I run, my seven week programme. And this week, and it's no longer funny to me anymore how coincidences and synergies happen, but it did make me smile that this week of all of the weeks was the week that I was running the topic of big emotions and emotional support as part of my programme, just when I'm right in the middle of it myself. This topic that I've been talking about with the, the wonderful women that are on the programme with me, we've been sharing how we can find the tools to help support our emotional roller coasters and how we can pull them in. How actually, if we have some of them in our daily routines and it's things we're doing day to day, that when challenges arise, it's not something big and new that we need to apply, that many of the things are actually there in our day to day already. And we can maybe just pull in some extra, extra support to help support us in coping with this roller coaster. It won't come as any surprise, I'm sure, that in addition to reading being a huge part of me and many people's self-care, making the time to read, to learn something, to distract yourself or just to escape and to be still being really important, that also essential oils are high on my list too. And this week, there are two oils of the week. And these two are actually part of an emotional aromatherapy set of six from doTERRA. And these two are ones that I've been using and leaning on quite heavily in the last few weeks. And they are console and cheer. Now, these two are at the opposite end of the spectrum at first glance. But when you think about them with a little bit more consideration, they actually can help support the grieving process. And especially when that process starts in the time of year when many of us already struggle with the reduction in daylight and SAD symptoms start to rise and they can deeply affect our mood. That then when big times of challenges layer on top of that, there are certain things that I know that I like to, to reach for. Citrus oils are wonderful for lifting the mood. And to me, they can feel like liquid sunshine. So lemon, for example, is full of D-limonene, which is known to boost the serotonin, which is our happy hormone. And the cheer blend actually has all the citrus oils in. So that for me is one that I would always reach for this time of year as we're transitioning out of summer into autumn, into winter, and the light is getting less. And I really, really feel it. And I struggle way much more in the mornings when they're dark. And most people do feel that, but some people, their, their mood, their emotion, actually their physical energy can be deeply affected losing the light and this is how I support those in my community that feel the same way that I do with the citrus oils and getting more of those in the home and on our skin tapping into that liquid sunshine but that's also a way that we can help us lift our mood move our mood move our emotions to reach for the next emotion when we're feeling really low or overwhelmed by emotion and that's not to say that we should be shifting out of certain emotions, that it's not something I ever teach or coach 
to my clients or to anyone that I talk to that having those emotions is really healthy and helping to try to shift them too soon is not necessarily healthy that we want to stay in some moods even if they're low to be able to really cry out to be able to really release those emotions but I do also feel that once we're done we can tap into certain tools to help lift us back out again and that staying down and staying in those feelings for too long for days and days on end isn't good for us either to be able to get up and get out get your boots on get your wellingtons on get out into nature into the trees and to get your body moving is also really good to help you move and shift some emotions if they start to feel stuck console is the other blend and kind of does what it says on the tin it's a much headier scent but it's a very comforting blend it's a hug in a bottle and can support sleep but also the grieving process and i'm not suggesting we can put an oil on and everything's okay when we know that it isn't but these oils can support our mood and allow us to release grief air for example is another blend that helps to release these deep emotions works with the respiratory system but for many people emotions get stuck in the chest and in their throat and they feel that they can't express how they're feeling air is a wonderful oil to use emotionally to support these feelings or console as I've mentioned to feel comforted and I think also as a carer of my family and for those caring with people in their family that are going through this kind of process I know that when I diffuse these oils I also feel that I'm able to do something I'm just able to do something to support them when often we feel there's little we can do to ease the pain of loss my guest today is someone who is familiar with all of these feelings and has written about her experiences so beautifully in her book and along with sharing her own inspiring coping mechanisms. If you would like to get in touch with me regarding any of the topics that we have covered on the show, please feel free. I would love to hear from you. If you would like any more information, if you would like to ask a question, if you'd like me to read your question out on the show and answer that for you, please get in touch. You can find me at www.essentiallyracheluk.com. I'm really 
to introduce you to Sarah Kennedy Norcoy. She is an author who followed her dreams to relocate to live in the Orkney Isles, who found solace in the sea and wrote Salt on My Skin, a book created from love, friendship, tragedy, a story of how one lady soothed her soul in the water to deal with two kinds of grief, those lost through death and experience of loss in life, a book which moves you to feeling so uplifted and inspired and has you laughing and crying on the same page. So welcome Sarah. Hello, thanks for having me. Absolutely no problem. I'm, I'm so thrilled. I, I feel a bit starstruck actually, um, but hello. <laughs> <laughs> nice oh my goodness, this book, this book, and um, anyone that was following me on social media will know I was just loving, loving this book. Um, I had took it with me on holiday and I was by the sea most of the time while I was reading it and there are so many quotes in this book that I will always remember. I learned so much and being a fellow swimmer and mermaid, who knew there was an International Mermaid's Day? Uh, there was so much also sort of about life on Orkney, about land snow, which I'm going to ask you to explain to us. And I learned how deeply the water, something I also love, can reach into your soul and take hold. Mm -hmm. One of the quotes that I know I will forever carry with me, and I've written it out a few times, and that I found so much support myself from this book, is healing comes in waves, figuratively and literally. And for any water babies out there, they're going to really resonate with that. So I'm going to read a little bit from the beginning of the book just to introduce people to the book and then we're going to have a chat. The part that I wanted to read from the beginning is literally right in the first chapter. It's worth saying something at this point before you dive further into the book. You may come across times through the chapters where I make reference or jokes about my body which make you twitch. If you're body positive or are happy with your body and have done the mindset and the emotional work then I applaud you. If you're comfortable with what you see in the mirror without external validation, then that's excellent. If you're struggling that like I do, then I hear you. This book is the start of the journey I'm on and reflects how I felt at the time. I'm slowly improving, but progress is often two steps forward and one step back. Sometimes we run, sometimes we walk. 
Sometimes we sit down and don't move for a long time. I'm traveling along the same road, we're all just in different places on it. So I've set the scene as to why I'm highly unlikely candidate to be writing about sea swimming when there is no hiding and no escape. Why is this woman publicly the last to learn to swim and hates being seen in anything other than a big heavy coat which hides all? Not only hopping into the sea at every opportunity and dressing by the side of the car in all weathers, but also writing about it. It's because against all the odds, sea swimming saved me in 2019 and a transformation has taken place. I found my thing and I hope to inspire you to find yours. And I know that this book will, and that is just something I feel so passionately about is for inspiring anybody to find their thing, to hang their hat on. And my goodness, after reading this, they can so be all gay in the water. <laughs> So I'm so excited to talk to you. Sarah, come and tell us what was going on in your life that led you to getting all of this down and, and collating everything in this beautiful book. Well, I've, I've always enjoyed communicating um, by writing. So whether that was, you know, just on Facebook or on Instagram, things like that. And I've written a blog for a number of years. Um, 2019 was really quite a pivotal year. I mean, we talk about 2020 not being great. <laughs> understatement right but 2019 for me was quite a pivotal year and um it you know it, you know you know fairly early on it's not a massive spoiler alert but fairly early on in the book so one of my closest friends died my mum was diagnosed with dementia and I was in the last year of my 40s um and I was approaching 50 my son had left home so both my kids had left home um, and it, it was just, I just kind of felt like I was full of grief, but I also, because I was turning 50 and I called it my little midlife crisis, I decided to do a number of things to challenge myself while I was still 40s. It was called my 49 list. So I was going to do 49 things while I was still 49. And one of those things, and it was meant to be a one-off, it really was, was, was what I called a polar bear dip. And that was just to swim in the Orkney Sea in cold, you know, when it was really cold. I mean, it's never warm, to be honest, but most people say, well, try, try the summer, not January, Sarah. But I decided to do it in January, was addicted straight away. And I was just so full of really powerful feelings and emotions and sharing my journey on Instagram that I thought I'm, I'm going to do it. I've always promised myself I'd write a book and I thought I'm going to do it. Um, and especially for now, um, because my mum was deteriorating, this book was about her and for her. And I wanted her to know, while she was still capable of knowing and understanding, that there was a book about her. And that she could, you know, I wanted to publish it while she could still understand that um, it was about her. Which I did just in the nick of time, really. Oh, that's so wonderful. And you you talk about your lovely mum all the way through the book and you sort of gradually take us in and take us through this process of how you're experiencing it, but also that you're empathising with the other people around your mum and how they're experiencing it, your dad, for example. Mm. And that time that you have to go through realising that you're slowly losing her and there's a part in the book that I would love you to read for us that is almost taking us through the moment of that realization when you you can't imagine that happening to you with your own children so would you like to read that part of the book for us yeah certainly so this is taken so the book is 
January to December, and this is taken from March, and I was reflecting on Mother's Day and, and Mother's Day photos of me from the past when my children were babies. So I'll read it. I've changed nappies, wiped noses, dried tears, read stories, cured hiccups, cooked meals, cleaned up sick, driven to hospital, wrapped presents, held hands, listened, talked, laughed and cried an ocean of tears at the enormity of it all. I know my children better than I know anyone else. I've counted their eyelashes, fingers and toes as they lay cradled in my arms. And I know their faces better than I know my own. I cannot ever imagine looking at their beautiful faces and not recognising them. They are my life. I adore them. How can it be possible that a parent can come to a stage where they don't recognise their child? This hasn't happened between mum and I, and hopefully might never. But I know it happens time and time again to others, and I'm already anxiously waiting for the axe to fall. And this is how this book is. It's is so moving and so touching and yet you can turn the page and be laughing my husband while i was reading this book kept looking at me like what because it was almost on the same page i was reaching for the tissues and then laughing and that's how it is it's so brilliantly beautifully written so heartbreaking moments and and then you're lifting us out of that and talking to us about seaweed experiences and somebody legging it into the sea trying to get over there that fear and anxiety of something touching you in the water and screaming it's just a vegetable which <laughs> really had me howling because I can't even tell you how my mind played tricks on me if anything touched me and I was in a wetsuit but even so it wasn't even on my skin but anything touched me in the water I mean I would almost have a panic attack and I'd be turning around and breaking speed records to get out <laughs> You know, and that's what's so beautiful about the book is that juxtaposition between the incredibly moving moments that you think you, you're you never going to get out of, but you do, because this, and this is your approach to life, isn't it? Is mm -hmm. that you're able to find some of the joy and some of the sunshine and some of the, some of the funny moments in amongst all of this. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk to you about skin. So for those that aren't swimmers, there is this utopia, which to me is a utopia of swimming in skins, which is basically not swimming in a wetsuit and just being in a cosy and the water's on your skin. I haven't got there yet. And I've swum for quite a while now outdoors, um, not as much in the sea, but in lakes. Um, my goodness. And my threshold is 12 degrees in a suit. So I've got a long way to go. <laughs> I know that I can only tolerate that brain freeze for a certain amount of time. And, and the last time that I swam up to the winter, I haven't swum through a winter yet. So you're going to really inspire me to, to do this. I don't think it will be this winter. I think next winter, that's my, that's my goal is to mm -hmm. swim through, to be swimming enough and to get into skins next year and to swim through. You were in skins in four and a half degrees. I know. <laughs> it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> and it in is. fact, um, so in the book, one of the things I always wanted to do was to swim in ice. And in the book, by the, it, di it didn't happen. Between January and December, it didn't happen. Although there was a couple of opportunities, it wasn't safe for me to do so. In about February of this year, we, we got into the sea. And I think the... I think the dew must have frozen onto the top of the sea. So we got into the sea and we were swimming and I was like, what's this stuff on top of the sea? And we were like, it's ice. You know, my goal was achieved. I was high all day, absolutely high all day. I loved it. People would say, hi, Sarah, how are you? I'm great, I swam in ice. 
amazing so, um, what a fantastic achievement and some people will be thinking no you're just a nutter but that's all right because there are some people that are not going to get this they're never going to want to do it they're never going to want to yeah. try it but for those that do we do have to have a bit of a caveat and a disclaimer you don't just jump in do this you have to acclimatize to cold water and you want to acclimatize if you were going to do it if you're going to plan to do it you'd probably want to do it through the spring and the summer and acclimatize in a suit then to skins and then gradually and as the water gets colder you spend a lot less time in it even for seasoned swimmers right. they're not really in more than 10 minutes in in the winter are they no i mean i i personally i can usually go up to 20 wow but i i can't stress enough that safety is the most paramount thing and you know sea swimming is really in vogue especially this year it's very fashionable now because all this pools closed down so there's like a ton of people heading for the sea or the lakes or the rivers but it is so important to to do things safely and i really can't and never go alone and, and and don't just don't just jump in i mean that's really don't do that it's you know the rnli would actually advise you not to do that you can get cold water shock so it is about approaching this safely and i i talk in the first chapter uh, my first swim and I talk about you know is there going to be a doctor present I actually asked that question because I was like what if I die I, I really quite reasonable to expect if you're about to go into freezing cold water <laughs> you know so we have to manage people's expectations but also manage people's awareness that this isn't something you just go do on your own you just fancy a swim and jump in a freezing cold sea yeah. and also it's way better there are times when you just need to be alone we all know that but it's way better what we're getting from this experience is way beyond a the cold water therapy that just be immersed in colder water not necessarily yeah freezing but colder water than you're used to no different to having cold showers and the whole Wim Hof thing it's so good for your immune system it's so yeah. good for you anyway for all the systems yeah. of the body it's fantastic for you it's wonderful for lifting the any um, anxious feelings yeah. and that yeah. buzz that you get when you come out you just yeah. the endorphins the dopamine there's nothing like it it's addictive Absolutely. it is addictive it's, isn't it it's addictive and it's but the um, community the yeah. community so and you have a lovely community up there don't you that you swim with we do we have a, a group called the polar bears club um and it, it just motivates you it, it resets you yeah it does and for anybody that's not necessarily on the coastline there are lots of lakes now that are set up with lifeguards and if you want to get in touch with me to find out where your local one is you can do um but there are so many that are actually geared up set up where i first started they have all the tow floats there waiting you know it's all lifeguarded they've got they've got guys out and girls out on kayaks around the swim route and around the lake and they're always being testing the water the temperature the quality they've got boys out for you to swim so it's not quite as free flow as it is when you're in the ocean and there's you know nothing there but the people that are in it um but even so i would definitely when you're starting find somewhere that's an organized setup and you will also find your community there yeah um, before you go off out on your own or you and your friends go find a you know the ocean or a river to go or a lake to go jump in that's unmanned that's not what i would recommend recommend i also just want to say this as well i hear a lot of people say this and this makes me twitch when people say it's okay i'm a strong swimmer no you're not when it's you versus the sea you are not the sea always is the most powerful 
more yeah. powerful than without you. doubt and i am probably one of the strongest swimmers you would ever meet yeah. because of my history of my training for hours and hours every day in swimming but you never ever disrespect anybody of water yeah. anybody of water yeah. so we're going to take a short break right now but we will be right back with more exciting guests and conversations original female artists only on sophia style radio I mean, you make me feel like I can't breathe and all I see is stars But in a good way, I swear I wanna take you on a trip upon the Arabian Sea I wanna be your everything I wanna show you all the places that mean something to me Cause your arms are one of them Feel like home to me. Come over for a lazy Sunday afternoon when you're feeling sick and tired and hung over too. Let's just get a Chinese for tonight. We'll both be in bed by nine if that's all right with you. And I said, That's all right, do you
just touched as well on um, on Orkney. Tell us a little bit about Orkney life, and I want you to tell me a bit about the lamb snow. So, so the lambing snow you're you're quite interested in, and so. Orkney winters, you know, people can romanticise Orkney life um, and there are many, many beautiful things about Orkney. The winters are long and dark and so I wouldn't suggest that people just hot-footed up here and, and come and live in Orkney. It's often, it's often labelled as like one of the 10 best, best places to live or, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's for everybody. There's no secret, I struggle with winter, I struggle with the season change and the darkness and things like that. I always look forward to spring. I love snowdrops. It's the first sign that winter is over or becoming over. But we have a thing, an Orcadian people will say this called lambing snow. So just when you think it's safe and spring is on the way, you'll get this flurry of very soft snow. And, and, it, and it's just called the lambing snow. And it just, and, and so when I said, oh, it's a beautiful day, spring's on the way, somebody or Kadim will say, well, no, we haven't had the lambing snow yet, which is just like, get back in your box. Don't get excited. We've still got, we've still got a, a bit of cold. And it's just a lovely soft snow that kind of doesn't really settle. Um, or it arrives in the morning and it disappears a couple of hours later. But it's and no... You're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to mention spring, are you? Until that's... No, until it's been and gone, nobody's allowed to mention spring. I mean, I remember <laughs> saying, I just remember saying once, oh, it's a lovely spring day. And somebody was like, no, it's not. We've not had the lambing not the lambing snow and so that was that was me silenced oh and another another orcadian saying that i loved because it refers to that that excerpt that i read right at the beginning of your book really um about how you want people to find their grotey bookie translate for me so, so that was not so much an, an orcadian saying but but a friend said that so an, a grotey bookie is a little cowrie shell that you find they're quite rare um, and they're, they're, it's, it's a shell that you find in places in Orkney and people go looking for Grotey Buckies. People think that they're good luck. And so people find them and they have them in jars on their bathroom and things like that. And so a friend of mine, she was also grieving. She started, she, you know, she just, it's, it's just quite mindful, just raking through the shells and looking for Grotey Buckies. And, and it just really unlocked her and helped her to cope. And so my other friend said to me, so, you know, we were referring to this friend who had just found it really therapeutic, really helpful to just go grotey bucky hunting. When I was swimming, my friend said to me, you found your grotey buckies, which was just kind of recognizing that, you know, we need to find our thing. And for me, it's cold water and it's swimming and it's as natural to me as walking the dog. But for you, it might be something different. It might be looking for shells on the beach or it might be standing outside barefoot on the grass and just breathing in and out 20 times and going back in the house yeah. but it's finding your thing that unlocks you and helps you to cope with the enormous amount of stress and and difficulties that life throws at us yeah absolutely and for some people that's their faith that they draw which is another thing that we also have in common that yeah. there are there are times when you just fall on your knees and there's nothing else left. There's almost nothing else yeah. to do. There's, there's, and there's nobody else left to call on. And yeah. what I found really comforting was that what my experience taught me was that don't wait for those times. 
and to have my faith present with me at all times you know and I think that's something something that's so lovely in your book that at the beginning of each chapter you refer to something that you've written and the December one which is it's it's such a beautiful um saying to hold in your heart that is something that only really comes at around in December and we kind of forget about it the rest of the time which for me so and that was be near me Lord Jesus I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me I pray and it's something that is is in a song that we maybe only sing near Christmas and that is just something lovely and you put there in brackets underneath the daily prayer of my heart and something you carry with you all the time and how that's such a lovely sentiment and prayer for us to carry with us every day it's not just for Christmas You know, we've been through some dark times with her dementia. And I said to mum once, do you still trust God, mum? And she went, of course I do. I mean, she was just incredulous that I should even dare to suggest that she might not, which was lovely. That was a comfort for me that she felt that way. And I I suppose for myself, I know that mum is forgetting everything, forgets everything. But for me, there's great comfort in the fact that God has not forgotten her. She's forgotten, but God hasn't forgotten. And I, you know, I just find that comforting. And it is just part of my daily life. I mean, and an incredible comfort to so many others as well. And Mm -hmm. and again, it comes back to you finding your thing for people to have something to have that faith in. There's a part of the book that I want to also read out on the subject of grief, which is um, a topic that is very close to my heart at the moment. And this is something that I want to read out just because of how beautifully it's written and how when we're in the in the middle of something like this that we're often sort of you're ping-ponging around everybody else's experience as well as needing to deal with your own so I'll, I'll read this part which is when my brother died in 2008 I grieved for the loss of a brother I grieved for my parents loss of a son I don't know which was more painful it would shift and change on an hour by hour basis my loss their loss their loss my loss when mum was diagnosed with dementia I grieved for the loss of my mother I grieved for my dad's loss of his wife and I grieved for my mum's loss of herself although mum was still in there and in many ways still very much herself there was so much loss grief isn't about a person dying grief is about loss read that again I remember when my son Elliot left home a few months before mum's diagnosis My grief was overwhelming and all-consuming. My emptiness was like an echo chamber and the pain of him going was almost physical. I cried so much prior to him leaving that I once had to pull over the car and be sick at the side of the road. It was important to let him go and for him not to feel inhibited by his sobbing mother clinging onto him. And I knew I had to get it together and do my crying in private. It was the same with mum and dad. I didn't want them to see me crying in distress. They had enough on their plate and I've done a lot of crying in cars. I think that's so many of us, so true of so many of us, A, that we do a lot of crying in cars and we feel that we can't cry in front of other people. And there are times when it is right to protect them. And as we know, there's also right, I think, for somebody to be that catalyst and have the big cry and let everybody else tip them over the edge too because it's so mm. cathartic and so good for our emotions not just to fit down and have the big cry. Um, but this, this one page for me covered so many aspects of loss and around, not just around 
your brother and your mum and your dad and all of those relationships, but also on into the next generation as you dealt with your son leaving and empty nest syndrome. There's very little this book doesn't touch. <laughs> such a moving, such a moving book. I would like to go now, just before we leave and leave our listeners on this Monday morning. Tell me about one of your most memorable swims. Um, I refer to one of them in the book, actually, which was the 1st of May swim. And so we set our alarms. I think I set my alarm for something like about 20 past four in the morning. And I thought I was completely mad. So, so the, the idea was that we would be in the water for sunrise. Uh, it was so atmospheric and so beautiful. It was just a misty morning, really calm, that kind of hushed experience where everybody's sleeping and you're swimming and we were just and we were talking in hushed voices even though we were in the, at the beach and there was nobody there then this seal just popped its head up and we said oh there's a seal um, which happens you know you do see seals uh, in Orkney quite a lot but it was just so beautiful it was so breathtaking the whole experience and it, de- it definitely goes down as one of my favorite um, and then I when I drove home I, I can just remember feeling exhilarated, absolutely alive. And I think I refer to that in the book. I just felt alive after doing that, that just everything is, you know, it sets you up for the day. And even though you think you're crazy, actually you're doing yourself so much benefit from, absolutely. from, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not, um, and also to override the fear there may be some people who feel I couldn't possibly do that and what I would like to say to those people is this type of experience that Sarah's explaining and sharing with us and all the things in the book this is what's on the other side of that fear so yeah. if we manage to help you get over the fear and encourage you to do it these mm-hmm. types of experiences are waiting for you on the other side of the fear yeah. there were yeah. two amazing quotes in this book which I would like to leave our listeners with the first one do I stay in front of the computer and go home in the shape of, shape of a chair or join like-minded sea swimming lovers and go home in the shape of the sea? <laughs> yes. And then, and then the last one, which is also in the calling people to understand they can reach for another emotion. They can reach for something to bring them out of the funk that they're in. They could reach for something to help move them from the feelings that aren't the ones they want to be in. There are so many ways that we can do that. We can go for a swim, pick up the phone to a friend, do a, do a Zoom call, pick up an essential oil. That There is always a way to help. There is always help around. There's always going to be support for you. You just need to let people know that you need it. And the, the quote I'd like to leave everybody on is that your now picture is not your forever picture. And you have the power to choose. Mm-hmm. I would like to thank you so much, Sarah. It's been an absolute joy. There's so much here for us to talk about. And what I'd also love to let everybody know into a little secret is we're going to be having Sarah sessions and Sarah's going to be coming back to join us and sharing with us about life in the sea, life in Orkney. And we will be talking to her again soon. So thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been great. No problem at all. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you have a great week. If you are struggling with any emotions or with a roller coaster of emotions around this time, for all of the reasons that so many people have right now to be struggling with their emotions, 
whether it be grief or loss, whether it be separation anxiety, whether it be worrying around your health with everything else that's going on in the world, please know that you can contact me. I am at essentiallyrachelluk.com and you can get hold of me um, through all of the media channels and you can find how to do so there or just simply email me. If you would like to talk through any of the ways that you're feeling, if you would like to try any of these emotional oils that I've shared today or in any of the other series, please do get in touch. I would love to hear from you and I would love to help support you through this period of time. I'm actually holding an introduction to Essential Oils Masterclass on the 6th of December and you can find the details of that on my website too. I would love to invite you to come learn more about these oils that we have found have supported us so incredibly well with everything that life throws at us. And if you have a space on your gift list, this book that we've just been talking about would be a wonderful read for anyone looking for ways to be inspired. Now, next week, I am joined by a very special guest, Olivia Edwards, who, as we all again are coming to terms with changes around us, um, she's going to be talking to us about how we can support ourselves and how she uses her role as a mindset coach to help people see a way through tough times to supporting themselves positively. I'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. 